Hey, what's up, podcast? Welcome back to another episode. This is Dave Rosendahl, and I'm super glad that you are tuned in today because on the show, we have Marianne Gear. She's the SVP of Corporate Strategy at GPA. And this episode is for any commercial printer, agency, implant, marketing services company, or heck, even a brand that wants to learn how unique substrates, papers, and other materials like that are used to drive leads and sales within the context of a marketing campaign. And in this interview, I asked Marianne about a number of really important issues that are facing the OptiChannel community right now. Things like this strange tension between the commercial printers that are growing and the supply shortages that many are facing right now in the industry. So we talk about this and some unique insights that she has from her perspective there at GPA. We also talk about why the printers that are growing, the agencies that are growing, why are they growing? What are they doing differently than those who are not finding success right now? And so I think you're going to want to hear what her perspective is on that because it might help you and your company. We also talk about numerous direct mail examples, digital tie-ins like personalized URLs, QR codes, going from IP address to mailing address, all sorts of interesting things that you can do to drive more value from the print that you're producing for your clients. If you're a service provider or if you're a brand that's listening to this, these are things that your commercial printer, your agency, your marketing service company should be bringing to you as ways to drive leads and grow sales. All right, so let's jump into the discussion and let me introduce Marianne to you. Let me introduce myself briefly here in case we haven't met. And then we're going to jump right into the interview here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about who we are so you have context for the conversation today. My name is Dave Rosendahl, and I'm the president and co-founder here at Mindfire. We're a software company with a laser focus on commercial printers, on agencies and implants, helping those types of organizations service their B2B and B2C clients in a variety of different verticals. And the way we do that is through what's called opti-channel marketing and sales technology. I'll tell you what I mean by that here in just, in just a moment. If you look at the screen, we get to work with thousands of brands through our service providers, like the ones you see here on the screen. And so it's from this vantage point that we bring you these interviews and these discussions that we do about once a week, once every other week or so, because we get to lead this opti-channel movement from the front and bring you this information that you need to understand how to grow your businesses, whether you're a commercial printer, an agency, an implant, or a B2B or B2C brand. And you've heard me mention this term a few times. I've said opti-channel a few times as we've gotten into the material today. I just want to quickly define that so we have context as we get into the interview today. If you're wondering what I mean when I say that, opti-channel means optimal channel. Pretty simple, right? And it's the idea, it's the strategy that in a nutshell tells us that brands today must be where our consumers are, where our market is hanging out digitally, online, as well as offline. And it may sound simple, but it can profoundly change how you help your customers reach their prospects, reach their clients, and engage those folks to take them to the next step. Now, Often what we see, and we're going to be talking about this today, is that companies, they get married to a channel out of habit, out of momentum, out of it used to work for us. It's what we've always done. And we argue that instead of getting married to the channel, you got to get married to something else. And that's attention. You need to get married to where the consumer's attention is right now, regardless of where it takes you. And so that's why we gather this community on a regular basis to help you understand 
um, how to think about, for example, what kind of direct mail campaigns are actually working right now? How can I use QR codes to lift response? How do I tie social with direct mail? How do I even figure out where my market's hanging out? And because we work with agencies and service providers, we hear from a lot of you, how do I sell this to my clients? So if any of these questions are on your mind, this is why we bring experts like Marianne, who I'm gonna to bring to the stage here in just a moment, to get you the insights you need to know to understand how can you build and sell opti-channel campaigns to your clients? If you're a printer, if you're an agency, if you're a marketing services company, how can you do these types of campaigns effectively for your client? Or you may be even thinking, how do I apply these philosophies, this strategy to my own marketing to grow my brand, to grow our leads and to feed our sales? That's why we do what we do. All right, so with that, let me introduce Marianne. In case you don't know, Marianne is the Senior Vice President of Corporate Strategy at GPA. And she's got, believe it or not, you won't believe it, but she's got over 30 years of experience in the graphics industry with a background in design, substrates, and print. And she's worked her way up through GPA over a number of years. Prior to GPA, Marianne was the fine paper sales manager for Unisource. So she's had an illustrious career in print and servicing folks like you here in the room. Now, something I just learned about GPA, and I feel like maybe I'm the only one who didn't know this. Does anybody know what GPA stands for? GPA started in 1940, so they've been around a few years here, as a small specialty printing paper company, and it stands for Gummed Papers of America. They're now part of the Global Federoni Group. They were acquired in 2015. And uh, they act as both a manufacturer and a value-added distributor for specialty materials for offset, digital, flexo print technologies. They've worked for a long time with folks like HP Indigo. If we have any HP Indigo folks here, let us know if you're here in the room. They're also partnered with Xerox, and they work closely with OEM partners like Konica Minolta, Canon, Landa, Rico. They're headquartered in Chicago. They've got branches and warehouses in Los Angeles, Atlanta, Hartford, and 11 other locations. Too many to mention today. So. With that introduction, Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with us today. How are you? I'm doing great today, Dave. And thanks to you and the MindFire team for inviting us on this educational seminar. We're very excited. Thank you for being here. And briefly, I want to introduce Mackenzie and Joe, who are also here. So first, let me just go in the order of what I see here on the screen. So Mackenzie oversees uh, sales and demand generation here at MindFire. Mac, how are you doing today? I'm great. Super excited to be here. Likewise. Thank you. And I don't think I need to introduce Joe, Joseph Manos, Executive Vice President here at MindFire, but I will. Joe, good morning. How are you? I'm doing awesome as always. Another great day in California. Fantastic. Thank you for being here, Joe. Let's jump right in, folks. Marianne, there are a lot of questions swirling around the industry right now. And so I want to start by asking you a few key questions to help clarify some of the missing pieces of the puzzle, I feel like that some folks feel they might be missing as they look out across this world, which is increasingly complex, sometimes confusing and disorienting. So I'm wanting you to give us some insights from your unique view at GPA, which is very valuable to the folks that are gathered here today to help us fill in some of these pieces. So if you're ready for that, I'm going to start with my first question here. Marianne, first question that I have for you today. There's a lot of things going on in the industry right now, but I'm, I'm curious if you could share with me what's something uh, perhaps unusual that you're noticing in the market right now, perhaps over the last few months in the print space that's got your attention or that perhaps is surprising you as you look out across the industry. 
Dave, really good question. I would say right now, and you were kind enough to talk about my experience, the paper market right now is the craziest we've seen in over 25 years. And if you think about mills shutting down equipment, pulp prices are increasing globally, and it's all happening at the same time the market on the print side is exploding coming out of COVID. It is just like the perfect storm. There's allocation on products right now, and I have not seen that in years. Thick cover stocks that are used for direct mail and packaging are very hard to get right now. Board grade suppliers, they're having supply issues, and it's putting pressure on the high demand to get these thicker stocks. So these things are very hard to find right now. And if you think about direct mail... Um, and what's growing in popularity and packaging. These are the two big things that are going crazy. Uh, there's a huge problem. We're a part of the Fedragoni group and, and thanks for that call out. So we get a chance to really see the large global play in the market. And this issue is worldwide. It, it is just unusual. And of course, as the printers uh, are out there, their customers are coming to them. They're coming to suppliers like GPA saying, hey, what can we do? So it's really creating this need to be creative. To think of what avenues that you can use to still continue to provide what the customers and the brands need right now. So that is the really number one thing right now, Dave, that I'm seeing in the marketplace. Explain it to me like I'm five, briefly. I would imagine that the reason why is because of COVID, but help me understand why, even more specifically than COVID, what's happening? So the paper market itself, why is that happening? It's just shortages. There's a lot of other things going on globally. You guys might be reading information about Christmas right now. There are cargo ships parked outside, and I don't know if you guys are anywhere near the longshore port of entry, near any port of entry. Things just can't come in. There, there's a hard time getting workers but yep. at the same time, consumer confidence is really strong right now. People want to buy product. We're not buying really any less product. We're just buying it through different channels. So it's just really driving this trend. The paper mills shutting down, that's a common thing uh, that happens over the years where they decide to shut down equipment. But it mm -hmm. came at probably the worst time that could happen. And it's just consolidation. It's interesting. Somebody just said in the chat, isn't most paper made in the U.S.? Surprisingly, a lot of paper is made. Federgoni Group's based out of Italy. They produce a lot of paper. Asia is a huge marketplace for coated paper. Holographic papers all come from that marketplace. It's really dynamic. And if the stuff is sitting out on the port in a container, even if they get the container in, uh, they say it's almost like a, a big pile and your container could be underneath and waiting for people to unload it. It's just, it's dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Out here in, in California, where we often take our kids to, to the beach here in, in Newport. And yeah, you're right. You can look out there to the water and there are literally uh, dozens of these things lined up. I don't know how many miles offshore, but you can certainly see them. So I know what you're talking about. One thing that's that's interesting here is we have this dynamic where many print companies, at least many that I speak to, are actually growing right now and are enjoying growth that they haven't experienced in quite some time. Why do you think that is? Why are they growing? What are they doing differently? What do you think is contributing to that growth? So you're absolutely right, Dave. So the challenge is we've got this tight supply and we have printers growing. It's a big challenge. 
To me, the observations for that trend is the largest is the investment in technology. And I saw in the chat, some different people were posting what their technology is that they have. We've got everything coming under the sun. Inkjet technology right now, sheet-fed inkjet, what that's bringing to the market. It's bringing speed and it's also reducing the cost and it's allowing for the variable data. So the technology is the big trend. The digital platforms, whether it's liquid inkjet, dry tone, they're getting faster. The presses are getting faster. They're becoming more cost efficient. There's all kinds of upgrades happening right now special ink colors, the embellishment trend, and that growth along with the brands demanding that personalization. And we can talk a little bit about some of the statistics, but the brands know that personalization is what's going to help them sell their product. It's just causing the, the market to increase. And the printers that are doing this, that are investing in technology, even technology such as, as Mindfire, and you were a big user of your technology is really helping drive that. Just saying that digital die cutting software, all kinds of things that are out there, they're all contributing to growth. And these platforms help manage the campaigns. And that's the key. There's less touches in the print shop and it's enabling this growth process. So Marianne, I know you've prepared some examples here. Folks love to see real life examples. They love the creativity. They love the ideas. They love being able to take those ideas back to their folks and uh, potentially to their clients as well. So I'm going to ask you another question. And if you want me to show some of those on the screen, just let me know and I'll move to them. I'm curious here in applications, let's say outside of direct mail. We'll talk about direct mail more, more here in just a moment. But what are some of the innovative and unique case studies that you're seeing? Perhaps print used in a way to drive folks online or to drive engagement in consumer brands. What are you seeing right now that you think is of interest? Really good question, Dave. So QR codes, and you started with it today, yep. they continue to be the darling of the industry. It's a driving force that goes from something analog to something digital. And for me, it was the whole menu thing. And that was annoying, but where it's used correctly uh, and takes people somewhere, it's really going crazy. Dave, I've got a slide. Okay. Uh, and I'm not sure the number. I'll talk a little bit about a QR code. It's the GPA piece that has an open book. So this book right here, yeah, I saw it. And this one too, these are two examples of QR codes. Here comes from one of our customers actually using our substrate. This is uh, Cedar Graphics. They were kind enough to share this. This is actually, and I've got the mailer here in my hand, so it's hard, hard to see, but this is actually a mailer printed on uh, digitally on clear plastic. I had some QR code, as you guys can see in the corner here, that had the customer scan it. There was, and I'm not supposed to show a whole lot of this, but I know that this is out in the market, but there was an opportunity for savings and, a, and an opportunity to really plan to win. So this was a really cool piece. Now, if you think about this, this is for a seed company. And guess who the target audience is? These are people that owns farm. There's not necessarily going to be millennials. They're not going to be in their 20s, right? Most people that own this, not to stereotype, are probably in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. But this is a really good case example of using a QR code and driving the customer somewhere else. Now, I haven't heard uh, back uh, from our customer what the response rate was on it, but definitely drove a lot of people through this campaign. So think about that. These are farmers and seeds. The other one, Dave, if you could go uh, forward just a couple slides, there's a piece that looks like this. This is actually a GPA piece 
that yep, we did. I'm coming there right now. This is a fun story. We had our first trade show for the industry in since 2019. We had one earlier this month. And we thought about this, and one of the things coming out of the pandemic is how do we really want to engage customers? And rather than focusing solely on product, right, we wanted to come up with something that we thought was universal to customers to have a conversation, get them excited, find out about what they're doing, find out about their business. So we created these favorite books. I've got one here in my hand, but we can leave that on the screen. It's got a little tiny QR code there. And the QR code was to drive, in this particular case, it was about music. Customer, everybody loves music, right? Music is a universal language, no matter where you are. We find that even with our global colleagues. And we wanted to drive them to a GPA Spotify channel. Hey, get on there. We've got some playlists. Add to our playlists. Engage with us. Have a great time. And we started out talking about being where the consumers are. And one of the things that we found out very quickly came back from my team was our customers weren't on Spotify. I thought Spotify was, was great. I've learned about Spotify for my kids. Where we found out our customers were at was Apple Play, Pandora, et cetera. Uh, Immediately, our team... Uh, really smart group. We added the other channels, right? Put it into the QR code to allow them to engage through there. But it was one of the interesting things that we learned along the way. And what I like and the beauty of QR codes and things like that is you can really adapt those pretty quickly. So if you find out your audience isn't there, then find the place that they're at. So we did a big uh, change and switch, and this is turning out to be a really popular book. Though. Fantastic. I love those examples. And I see uh, there's a lot of uh, love for that. Marianne, what are we looking at here? This is great. This came from our friends at HP, and it's really talking about new marketing techniques. Now, a couple of things that you guys should know, which is very interesting. How many people have a pandemic pet? So a, a pandemic pet, a pandemic puppy, a pandemic cat. So what happened during the pandemic is, especially for humane societies, breeders, I, I don't know if you know this, Dave, but a lot of people got dogs. So According to Pet Product News, during the pandemic, business grew by $9 billion, with a B, $9 billion in the pet industry. It's a gain of 9% over the previous years where the average was about 4 to 6%. And this has spawned all types of activities. This one's really great because this is for the Animal Rescue League. What they were trying to do, not only were people buying puppies, but all these rescues, all these humane societies were really trying to drive people to come and get the pets from there. There was like to find puppies at one point, someone told me it was nearly impossible. This is a great tool. This one used personalization, Pearl technology. I know Joe Manis gets excited when he hears about this kind of stuff. But here, a smaller campaign, but they collected over 300 new email addresses and new potential customers there. Love this idea. And again, if you're a printer out there and you're wondering, hey, what markets are growing? Pets, pet care, pet food, pet insurance, pet toys. Interesting. And somebody just wrote a note that thousands of people are bringing pets back, right? And they're coming back to work. They didn't know what to do. It's going to create another issue here, right? In the marketplace. But pandemic pets, very big trend. Marianne, are we able to share who the printer was on this? I don't, I don't have that news to, to share with print technology okay. here was HP and to go, but I can't in this particular case, share the, share that information. Okay. Got it. 
And what about Trinity College here? What are we looking at here in higher ed? I know there's a lot of folks here in higher ed or that service higher ed. So tell us what we're seeing. Trinity University is very interesting. They're in the top 10 status for alumni giving. Again, I know this is near and dear to Joe Manos from the time that I spend with him because we know that this is one of many types of marketing that colleges do, right? They're doing their sports, they're doing enrollment, admissions, and the other is alumni giving. So this is interesting. What I like about this is the fact that they try to use different channels and techniques. Some of these pieces were printed on uh, white format. Some were printed digitally. None of them were printed offset because they were all personalized. And it was a direct mail piece specifically to the parent demographic to solicit their support. So again, fundraising, whether you are a college or if you're a part of it, super, super huge. I like to pull this up there because there's all kinds of things that are an advantage there. So if you look, t-shirts was a part of this campaign, banners that they had was a part of the campaign, anything that they could do to drive the attention to the parents and the alumni for giving was very big. That's interesting. Thank you for sharing those. I know you have a few other slides here as well, showing a few other examples. So uh, I think what I'm going to do, Marianne, is I'm going to um, get some of the questions here that have been submitted by the audience. And if there are specific illustrations here that you want me to pull up, just let me know as you answer some of these questions that came in from the audience here. So folks, listen up. If you're here, I'm going to use your first name. So let's see. The first question here is from Sue. Sue is asking, Marianne, are your substrates made for both offset and digital printing? And do they require any special process or inks to adhere? Good question. Actually, our products are for both. So we cover the gamut there. Depending upon the technology and what the longevity is and how it's going to be used, some do need special treatments uh, or products. Traditionally in the offset industry, for example, plastics that run through an offset press need some sort of treatment for the ink to adhere. Very similar on the liquid ink technology. Additionally, some of the inkjet technologies that are out there. So again, we're trying to see the gamut of the world. When you get into synthetics in particular, special treatments on those help them work better, helps the ink to stay put. Papers, not so much. Paper is a little bit more universal. We do see in the postcard industry, for example, if you're using liquid ink technology, a treatment will help it get through the, the scuffing of the postal and the mailing systems a little bit better. But we, we carry both, and it just depends upon the project. Uh, normally, we'll spend some time, ask questions, and really try to understand the project, and then we'll direct the customer in the right location. And this next question is from Mike. Let's see. Mike is saying, what are some new substrates that are not too expensive that I can offer customers and prospects for large format and or signage? Do you have anything new in that area, Marianne? So the biggest thing, Mike, that we're hearing right now in the white format industry is recycled or environmentally conscious products. There is a big push right now. Some of this is a, again, we talked about pan pandemic trends, Dave, uh, and team, and there's a group of people that have a big concern. Think about the face masks, the gloves, the face shields. We sold a lot of clear plastic last year for face shields. So there's this big concern about the environment. So some of the big things are for backlit signage, for example, instead of using plastics or synthetics, which we do sell, we're also selling a backlit paperboard. We're in process with our team in with Federgoni Group developing some newer environmentally friendly 
adhesive back materials, um, looking at things different. Most of them in the U.S. right now are PVC-based, a polyvinyl chloride or vinyl, not necessarily good for the environment. They're durable, they work well, but not environmentally conscious. So the big thing that we're seeing is that. Probably one of the coolest things that I've seen, and it's not super new, but again, there's a lot of attention being done there, is we've got a metallized styrene silver, golds, things like that. So anything that's catching the consumer's attention, people are going back to the malls. I don't know when was, raise your hand if you've been past a mall, but the parking lots are full. At least they are in Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee in the places that I travel. So anything that they can do to catch the consumer attention on the wide format side, the, the metallized styrene, gold, silver, bronze, brush gold, silver, and bronze, those are some of the big things. This next question is from Clay, uh, Marianne, and uh, Clay is asking, what's the best question to ask a client to get them interested in trying a specialty substrate? So there are a number of questions that came in from the audience around, how do I engage my customers and my prospects to pique their interest in using a specialty substrate? So what would your advice be to somebody in Clay's situation? So if I were a commercial printer in that, one of it is just some statistics. So one of our OEM manufacturers gave us a st statistic that with embellishments, and Dave, there's a slide with some black paper. I know you can, you'll see that one. Embellishments or specialty techniques. The consumer retention is 70% once they've interacted with a piece that has something. Yeah, even that one there is a really good example or the black one. So these are specialty substrates. Black paper uh, does cost a little bit more than white paper does. The white ink technology, or if you have, and there's a lot of silver ink technology, gold ink technology, a lot of that stuff is out there. So knowing that the consumer retention rate is higher if they interact with a piece that's got some sort of embellishment or something different about it, driving the demand. So I guess it's going to the brand saying, hey, what are we trying to do here and how are we trying to engage? The other is if 34% of the people think that when making a purchasing decision, they trust print ads more than search engines, anytime that you can call out what you're trying to advertise or brand with something that's a differentiator makes a big difference. So that's really it. It's really going back to your customer and saying, Hey, what's important here? There's the old spray and pray. Let's send out millions. Or do we really want to pinpoint this, pick a target audience and then focus on it and then use something that's a little bit more expensive. It can be challenging to do that. But again, somebody asked me about this statement for the 34%. That's actually out of Rico uh, color print fifth color study. As someone has asked me that it's really something to consider. And it's, it's taking a step back really and understanding how they're trying to reach the brand. I think about the direct mail I have. So from my mailbox to my recycling bin, is about maybe 10 feet. The ones that get past that on the way into the house, which is another 10 feet, really are the ones that, that stand out. And it's super, super important to do that. So let's talk about direct mail. And uh, I wanna bring uh, Mackenzie and Joe, I wanna get your input on this as well. So I'll start with you, Mackenzie, then Joe, then Marianne. A uh, number of questions that came in around creative, innovative, different, unusual use cases employing direct mail to drive uh, leads and to ultimately drive sales. So Mackenzie, I'll start with you. What's one creative application that you're seeing these days around direct mail that's driving that kind of engagement? 
Yeah. So I think one of the things that you spoke about in the beginning was getting married to attention. And so when I think about what are the innovative things that are allowing us to get attention, I want everyone just to imagine as Marianne just did them walking up to their mailbox and opening it up. What are the things that stand? Is it simple paper with a simple message? Does it have, you know, something you can feel and touch embellishments? Is there something where you now have, you go from just a oh, that feels different, right? That's a vehicle to capturing attention because now yours stands out from the crowd. So I think really it's less about being hard-coded to one example, mostly trying to encourage everyone to put themselves in the shoes of the recipient and ask yourself, if that was me, what can I do? Or what would stand out for me? And then just going down to the actual pieces, if you actually okay, now I've gotten your attention or even beyond that, I've taken all of them and I put them out on, on my shelf to look at, a lot of times the fancy stuff can be confusing and stops a prospect. Meaning when it's clean, it's sharp, and there's a very strong call to action or an easy way to respond, Marianne's QR code, right? The easier you can make it, the clearer you can make it, the more you can keep that recipient knowing what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, I think that's going to drive the biggest response. So A, how can you differentiate that feeling in the hand and what it looks like? And then B, what can you do to make it clear and easy? Sometimes more ends up actually being less. And when you can capitalize on focus less, you can end up getting more. That's my advice. Joe, what are you seeing? One example, perhaps, of a creative or innovative use case with in the clients that you've worked with around direct mail that's driving leads or growing Uh, sales in some way. What have you seen? They're super cheap. I know everybody on the call knows that. Uh, Realtors in my area have got it wired. This is a high quality UV coated piece, really impacted me by the property around the corner from me that's recently sold. But what I love about it is the QR code drives you to a video and gives you the opportunity to tour actual homes based on your interest level. So really good use case, but here's a home run area idea. Three use cases around direct mail. First, you do a direct mail piece. What happens? All of a sudden there's all sorts of anonymous activity on that customer's website. How would you like to be able to pinpoint that activity, identify all the folks that came in driven by this direct mail piece that you just executed, show an actual thousand people that just hit, show what pages they're clicked on, and then retarget them with another direct mail piece to their specific interest area. In addition, form abandonment on the website. We can do the same thing there. And then finally, digital to doorstep. Again, very specific tactical direct mail back to that doorstep based on what we learned about the anonymous visitor activity on that customer's website. We're having tremendous success with our customers on that. I've got a ton of other ideas, but you said only one. So there you go. There we go. And what about you, Marianne, some unique piece that you've seen produced uh, that drove results for either a printer or for the brand that they're servicing or for an agency in the brand that they're servicing? What comes to mind as a unique example that you've recently seen? Uh, Really good question. I I think for me, it's just done on those unique substrates. Mackenzie talked about that haptic, which has to do with touch that getting people engaged in it. We've had a number of customers now, the textured papers, the felts, the linens, they're making a big resurgence right now. I I did get the most unusual one I got was from a bowling alley. I, yeah, with a QR code that took me to some coupons off. And this came through the summer. They still must think my kids are young because it was kind of more of a summer activity driving us to the local bowling, the bowling alley, AMF, I think was the lanes or the, the technique 
That was the most unusual one because it was a bowling ball. I wish I would have kept it because I usually try to keep those. And then the QR code that drove me to coupons where I could take my kids in the middle of the afternoon, which is their downtime right in the bowling alley. Everybody goes, uh, the league's all bull at night. That's probably one of the more useful ones. What's interesting, Dave, and I'll just throw this out there to you. We know that online purchasing, right, is huge. But yep. 87% of the consumers who purchase online do so from an impression related to a direct mail piece. 87% versus the- Where's that stat from? Where'd you get that stat? Again, that one came from, I believe it came from Rico online information. But again, it's a big number when you think about that. Um, yeah, that's tremendous. A question that's somewhat related here to the use of QR codes, but it's got a unique twist to it. It's from uh, Tyler saying outside of QR codes, putting QR codes aside for a moment. What are some ways that printers and agencies are tying in data collection or retargeting? How are they tying those into the direct mail campaign? So McKinsey, do you have an example of something perhaps you've seen outside of QR codes around how printers are engaging some of these digital channels yeah, into so, the direct mail? Yep, so I'm gonna bring in an example um, from a customer. They actually do a lot of work in automotive marketing. So they do marketing on behalf of the dealerships, both print and digital marketing to drive service appointments as well as new cars, used cars, the new and used cars, very low supply right now. So it's a big thing if you do have any. What they are doing is a text in with a keyword. So text, I'm not going to say the, the live link, but let's just pretend text Toyota to a keyword. And when you get to that page, it's a very simple landing page. Sometimes there's a video on the left. Sometimes there's not. It's a form and it allows people to get a certificate that they can bring in and receive a specific offer. I've also seen that same use case, again, text in. And then people can opt for a service offering or a new car, and they can schedule that appointment. There's an incentive for them to do that beforehand. So they are driving a ton of net new interest, leveraging direct mail, driving people to leverage their mobile device via a text in to a lead capture form. And then they get that data. They can drip on them and the salespeople are all over it. Joe, you already kind of mentioned one example there, but uh, let's answer Tyler's question. If you put QR codes aside, what else are you seeing in terms of how agencies and printers are tying, retargeting, digital data collection into the direct mail that they're running for their clients? Absolutely. One of the home run areas for our financial services companies, we do business and, and work for some of the largest lenders in America, is uh, rather than using a pearl, we're using a unique six to nine digit code. So on the direct mail piece, it says, or the email, visit the following code for a unique refinance offer or your new home loan. There's a special rate associated with that. Very good activity. We Typical programs are 1.5 million direct mail pieces a month, up to 2 million for that digit code application. Drives into a landing page, which directly goes to the loan officer assigned with that name. So all this is data-driven. And that drives another point. I can't tell you how many customers I'm working with that are running a roadblocks because their customers' data is so horrible. And this is another huge area of opportunity for you as a service provider is to create better data capabilities internally to help your customers because data drives all the downstream marketing engagement on a highly personalized and optimized manner. Joe, Ted is asking a question, where do they put the code in? So I think what Ted is asking, hey, they get the direct mail piece. And Joe, there's a URL on the direct mail piece and a co the code they enter in on the landing page after they type in that URL. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
Ted, does that answer your question? Let us know if we got your question there, Ted. Yeah, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, one thing to say there, we all talk a lot about pearls, right? Personalized URLs, meaning they could hypothetically, that financial services company, skip that ID and go right to the pearl because we're mailing to them. And so someone asked me the other day, why wouldn't they just do a pearl? And I spoke to a few lending companies and I asked them, and I'd love to get your feedback on this too. And this kind of just shows the, the uniqueness. Sometimes pearls are great. Sometimes you want to go to a general landing page with a unique ID. And basically what they had said is you have to imagine a lot of this is sensitive financial information. And you have to really quickly gain the credibility and the trust of the recipient. And so what they, this company that I spoke to found is they wanted to have that unique ID because what they said is that it instilled confidence in that customer, that it was secure, right? Like they had to enter into the code. Yes, technologically, you can bypass that and go right to the page. But when it's sensitive financial information, they found that having that code instills the confidence that people need to actually go there and, and put that in. So just throwing that out there, because I thought that was an interesting question. And I even thought to myself, why wouldn't they do that too? And I got that answer. Marianne, what about you? As you look across the print community, agencies, et cetera, what are the other interesting ways that direct mail and digital are being used? And if you have any examples that you want me to bring up, I'm happy to do that as well. What are you seeing? You know, we're, we're seeing some unusual things there. Again, the QR codes, the texting. At some point, we'll talk about TikTok and what, what the brands are trying to do there, trying to drive to those channels. Again, trying to find where the consumers live. When we've discussed TikTok as a company and said, hey, should we be doing TikTok? And I know Dave, you and I talked about that the other day and, and who's using it and, and what they're doing it. But uh, I haven't seen anybody do that yet on our print side, but I have a feeling that it's coming. It's going to be connected somehow. Joe's got his hand up. Yeah, we're working with on our social channels with some new innovative strategies. A lot of times from the social channel, you drive to a landing page, you ask for all their information. One of our new strategies with a lot of our customers is get them to that landing page from whether it's TikTok, YouTube, whatever, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, when we get them that landing page, go ahead and have them give them that free high value information, have them click. And then we can, through the scraping uh, and data enhancement I spoke of later, we can backtrack and start to identify those folks and then send a direct mail piece to get them back to getting the information. So there's a lot of innovative use cases that we have that if you're sitting there on the sidelines trying to find new ways to get in front of your customers, you really should talk to us. We can help you drive more print. Marianne, let's talk briefly um, about TikTok. And as you and I prepared for today's interview, uh, we were talking about some of the ways that affect GPA is thinking about using TikTok. So Marianne, just take us behind the curtain a little bit. What are some of the conversations that you're having with your team, with your folks about TikTok? And uh, give us some insight into how you're thinking about it. Yeah, uh, really good question. We sell substrates as we're trying to find every way that we can during this unusual time to reach our customers. We're trying to decide if TikTok's the right channel. What's interesting is the demographic of our customer, the printer, is in a category. So I'll be interested to see how many T's that we get and what we're seeing here. We're questioning whether or not our demographic is living there. We know they're living in LinkedIn. We know that they're living on Facebook, Instagram in particular. Pinterest is another one or we're channeled on Pinterest. That's really to get more to the creative people, but we're looking behind the scenes and don't be surprised if we have a couple TikTok stars coming up. I feel like you would be one. I've seen you all at trade shows. You, your oh, team yeah. Amazing. <laughs> but, but one thing I want to throw at you. So Lamborghini 
if you think about who's going to buy a Lamborghini, you wouldn't exactly think of the demographic that we think TikTok is at in Lamborghini. Their first ad was 11.5 billion, with a B, viewers of a Lamborghini ad on TikTok. And this happened, uh, I'm trying to remember, it was a little bit earlier this year. I'm trying to remember when it was. I just looked up what the, the stat was on it. But if 11.5 billion people watched a Lamborghini ad on TikTok, I think we all have to be thinking about TikTok right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And Marianne, as we were preparing, I mentioned to you, and I, I need to find this, there is a packaging company, a CEO of a packaging company. I, I believe he has HP equipment that is pretty active on TikTok. I'll find that if that's of interest to anybody. And you can see how uh, folks in this industry are starting to use TikTok. I'm going to try to get to as many of these remaining questions as I can. Brian asked a question that I thought was really interesting around whether or not people are using one-to-one -one personalized direct mail today more than the spray and pray approach. In other, in other words, have we moved to where the majority of the market is doing personalized one-to-one -one mail or are we still seeing the spray and pray of old? How do you see that? I really think it depends upon the market, who is doing the marketing. And I bet you guys may have better statistics than what I have. I'm just going to re relate it off of what I've been seeing. I'd still probably say that it's 50% of what I get in my box is the spray and pray uh, recycling bin. Mackenzie stopped by there. N nothing memorable about it. Peace compared to the other. W what are you guys seeing? Mackenzie, Joe, any different statistics? Depends on the vertical market. I still see a lot of resident mailings, but definitely higher value solutions as well as different verticals are getting very highly personalized, like the examples I showed you. When realtors start to get that granular, although it's a small percentage, you know that there's a big ROI for that. And But I do think overall, we can make the generalized, generalized statement that yes, personalized direct mail is up and direct mail innovation, innovative use cases is growing as well, for sure. I think brands are coming around to the fact that they are not the all empowering person who's going to be asked questions, meaning that real estate agent, they realize that people are going to go online and there's a ton of resources online to be able to get information about home. So do you want to make people come to you? Or do you want to get on board with the reality that they're going to go online and some of these other places to get that information? And instead of being on the, you know, the sidelines, be a part of that conversation by putting out videos like that. Like brands have the choice, right? It's how involved in the conversation, how much uh, control of the conversation do you want to have and how a part of it do you want to be? And I think the people that recognize that are putting themselves there. Marianne, let's talk trade shows real quick. Napoleon's asking a question here. In your, from your perspective, Marianne, what's the next upcoming trade show that would be great to attend? If I were a printer and the pandemic would hold okay, Printing Unite, which will be in Orlando, is, a, is one coming up. Why do I like that show? That was a combination of a lot of trade shows moving together. So whether you're involved in uh, wide format. There's going to be an inkjet pavilion. I, I saw the, the layout for it. I know depending upon how the pandemic works, that would be one to be involved in. That's the biggest one and it would encompass a lot. 
from a technology perspective. There's a lot of other interesting trade shows. I'll just throw that out there, depending upon what area you want to go in and market that you're looking at. And what's a good example of that? Depending upon what state you are in, a cannabis marketplace is growing and big, and there's a lot of trade shows involved in that. I would say if you wanted to get yourself out at a trade show, pick these industries, the pet industry, the, like I said, the CBD oils and all the things that are happening with the cannabis industry and in the state of Ohio right now, legal for medical, but very soon it will be legal for, or they're trying to get legal for uh, recreational. That's going to spawn some activities there. The other interesting one that we're keeping an eye on, or at least industry-wise, that you should take a look is what's happening right now in the sign shows. There isn't one coming up very soon, but the sign shows are very um, big and would be important to attend. But I think it's it depends upon your vertical market. The last one is, and we just did it this week, it was in Kentucky, was the American Distillery Institute trade show, ADI. Distilleries, craft cocktails, craft vodkas, bourbons, whiskeys. This was a big trade show. And there was a lot of attendees, but not a lot of people at the booth. So if I were a printer, I'd take a look at some markets that you thought would be of interest to you and go there. But if you were a printer looking for equipment, knowledge, things like that, Printing United would be something very interesting, my opinion. So if we haven't answered your question, if there's a specific need that you have, if the GPA team or the MindFire team can be of service to you, please go to this URL, mindfiremarketing.com forward slash yes, and fill out that little form. We'll triage all the requests as they come in, and we'll make sure to get you set up with someone to talk through your question, to see how we can help you and your business or to help your clients drive the types of results that you're looking for. So MindFire team, if you don't mind, drop that into the chat one more time. And I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who have attended today, starting with Marianne, who has been our guest today. Thank you for being here with us today. Same to you, Joe. Thank you for your insights. Mackenzie, you as well. And uh, Mary, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give the uh, final word here in just a moment. But I want to thank all of you who have spent your time with us today. We know that your time is the most valuable asset that you have. And if you're interested in other interviews like this, make sure to stay connected with us, get the podcast, get our information, because we're constantly investing in bringing commercial printers, agencies, implants, marketing services companies, the information that you need in order to help your companies grow. And so with that, Marianne, I'm going to turn it over to you for the final word and give us some final wisdom. Yeah, just a couple of things. First of all, thanks to you and the MindFire team for the prep, the work. Always a pleasure to present with you and the team. I think for the uh, printers, the agencies, and the people out there, if you need any help trying to understand what are some of the hot markets, what specifically are the applications, things that you can utilize for your particular equipment, whether it be offset, digital, inkjet, and you want to know what those growing markets are, give us a shout out, hit us up here, give us on LinkedIn, talk to the MindFire team. So that's my encouragement. The other is we talked about the printers that are growing, and I'm going to circle this back. And the key thing was technology. Technology was what's helping these printers grow. And in every case, you'll see they've invested in it some, somehow, whether it's the print technology, software technology, graphic finishing technology. So I would encourage you guys to continue to take a look and see what's happening in the marketplace. And again, a great team here, Mackenzie, Joe, Dave, thank you guys. That's my final. Well, 
Thank you, Marianne. We appreciate that. Thank you all for your time here with us today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to officially bring us to a close and I hope to see you again soon, everyone. Thanks for your time today. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you, everyone. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Really quick, I just wanted to let you know we've just opened up a texting community, which means that you can text me questions right now and I'm spending anywhere between 10 to 30 minutes a day answering questions from people like you that are listening to the podcast. So I want you to stop and pull out your phone right now and text me at 949-506-5835. Or if you're listening to us right now on a podcast player, let's say on your phone, maybe you're going for a run or going on a walk, you can go to the description of this podcast right now, go click on it. And my team has put the number and a link that you can click on to make the process even easier for you to text me, okay? So look at that or write it down, 949-506-5835. And when you text me, just say, hello, Dave. It's, you know, whatever your name is. And it will add you to my phone. And then it's going to shoot you back a message where you can add me to your phone and we can then talk from that point forward, okay? I'm going to be giving away tips, links to live interviews, free stuff, quotes, frameworks, training links, only things that you can get through this texting platform. And also something specific for our friends in the print and agency community. You know, we come across leads all the time for print work and agency work, things that as a software company, you know, we just don't do. But I think many of you probably wanna know about those things. And we come across these leads in places that you're probably not frequenting. So if you want to be able to get those leads, I also send those through text to this community. So if that's helpful to you, pull out your phone, Text me at 949-506-5835. Or like I said, if you're listening on a podcast player on your phone, you can go to the description. My team has put the number as well as a link that I think you can click and it'll make it even easier for you to text me. I can't wait to hear from you. See you later. Bye-bye.